Welcome everybody to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matt and I am so tired to be here. This week, I am skipping the foreplay and jumping right into it. I want to talk about a very recent, much discussed, giant implosion that has upset a lot of people. And you guys knew I was going to be talking about it. There's no way around the conversation. That's right. We are going to be talking about The Flash, which I saw this last week, and I have a lot of thoughts about everything in, on, and around the movie. So a month or so before it was released, a few famous people who saw an advanced screening of the flick had said that it was pretty good, which was promising. And as an idea, a movie about The Flash has a lot of potential. I have a few friends who are big fans of the character, and they have been waiting a very long time for this to happen. So there was a lot of excitement there. And then as the release date got a little closer and critics started seeing the movie, everything went horribly, horribly wrong. There is a big problem with superhero movie fatigue right now. For me, I love it. I grew up reading comic books, and I've been waiting my whole life for all this shit. Plus, one of my mottos every single day that I live by is anything worth doing is worth overdoing. I'm not sure if that's healthy, but it's a thing. Also, though, I will be the first to admit that the superhero movie market is oversaturated right now, to say the least. It's not supposed to be about quantity. It's supposed to be about quality. And the quality of some of the shits that have come out lately has taken a downhill turn. That's one of the many horrible things about social media is that nothing stays on people's good side anymore. Eventually, everyone hates everything because if we all don't find something to bitch about on the socials, apparently our heads will just fucking explode. Now, the whining, pissing, and moaning is compounded because The Flash is a DC movie, and everyone hates DC movies right now because, on the whole, they're not that good. The Flash started with promise, and then, as it got released, it got pummeled. Badly. Like, really badly. Think Rick James with a lead pipe level of bad. Or... If you're a little younger, insert your own Chris Brown joke here. I've got other shit to do. And then when the movie was actually widely released, everyone hated it. And it made like 38 bucks in the first weekend. It tanked. Like it sank really bad. I wish I had some sort of topical story that I could use as a metaphor that would help me describe how catastrophic the submersion of this movie was. I got nothing. So obviously, whenever there's any kind of dumpster fire like this that I hear about, first, I'm going to go see if I can date it. And if not, I am going to, at the very least, check out all of the flap dip and hullabaloo surrounding whatever it is. So I went and saw it. And you know what? For me, I kind of liked it. I didn't hate it that much. Was it a good movie? Nope. No, it was not. It 
fell apart in the third act. Not only was it yet another DC movie where something that's just hanging up in the sky is destroying the planet and has to be stopped, it was literally the exact same thing that was in the third act of Man of Steel. Ezra Miller, star of the movie, wasn't bad. Their comedic timing was actually pretty good in the movie. Outside of the movie, Ezra may have kidnapped and tortured a few people, needs some serious professional help, and probably should go to jail. Unfortunately, because I'm a terrible person, none of that stopped me from enjoying their performance. What I'm learning about famous fuckers fucking up is it's kind of like dating in your 20s. How much awful shit can you tolerate from someone when you like all the good stuff that they're doing? On one hand, Tim Allen has said a few very ignorant things that I'm going to try not to think about when I watch the Santa Claus every year at Christmas. On the other hand, there's Kid Rock, and I don't like Devil Without a Cause that much. A lot of people complained about the bad CGI in The Flash. The director of the movie, Andy Muschietti, says that the bad CGI was on purpose. There's some parts of the movie where, okay, I'll purchase that, but I cannot look over the whole mouth thing. It happened in Justice League too. Why can't DC movies CGI mouths? Why are they even doing CGI mouths? People have mouths. Every time a new DC movie comes out, stinky nerds are rubbing the Cheeto dust off their fingertips and getting online to tell everyone what they don't like about whatever fucking movie it is. And I'm going to do the exact same thing right now. The only difference is that I haven't had Cheetos in hours. The problem with DC movies on the whole is that they use Batman way too much. Batman is their crutch. The second Superman movie with Henry Cavill was 30% about Batman. This new Flash movie is 30% about Batman. Where's all the bitching about Batman fatigue? Michael Keaton was in The Flash playing old school Batman and he did a great job just like he did when he originally played Batman for the first time in 1989. For all the shit that the Flash movie got, nobody said one single bad word about Michael Keaton being in it because it hit all of us right in our nostalgia G-spots. We love nostalgia because it reminds us of better times or at least what we consider to be better times as if it isn't all of us that's creating the bullshit we live through every day. So I was thinking about it while I was on the shitter and I thought it would be kind of fun to look up some old receipts and see how much better of a time 1989 actually was. And if you're thinking to yourself that this is just a mildly clever way for me to sort of get away with talking about things on the clock that were released 34 years ago, suck my ass. One of the most terrifying things for me is that I have listeners of all ages. That part isn't terrifying. That part's fucking cool. But I literally have listeners that reach out to me of all ages. And the terrifying part of that is some of the younger listeners that I have are going to reach out to me and refer to this segment as a, quote, history lesson. I can already feel the liver spots bursting onto my hands when I get those DMs. And my response will, of course, be, get off my lawn. All right, so 1989, 
let's start with life in general. George H.W. Bush was sworn in as president of the United States in January. And just like his son, who would also become president a little later down the road, Bush Sr. would end up becoming a much cooler and more relatable person after his presidency. Unfortunately, both Jr. and Sr. also may have committed some war crimes that they were never charged for. But in all fairness, that part didn't happen yet in 1989. The Tiananmen Square protests were in 89. The Chinese government was super corrupt. Surprise, surprise. And yeah, that's right. Come for me, China. Let's fucking go. The Chinese government was really, really corrupt. And a bunch of ballsy kids took to the streets to try and fix it until the Chinese military started killing them until everybody left. And then an oil tanker near Alaska that belonged to a gasoline company spilled 11 million gallons of oil, causing a shitload of pollution and destroying a bunch of wildlife. Not really sure what's nostalgic about governments being shitheads to their own citizens and corporate carelessness about the environment. We have plenty of both of those now. But it wasn't all bad. Nintendo released the Game Boy in 1989, which caused me personally to have more Tetris headaches than Nick Cannon's Got Kids. The Berlin Wall came down, which was pretty neat. According to a website that I did not fact check, a gallon of gas in 1989 cost 97 cents. Jesus fucking Christ, 97 cents. You gotta be fucking kidding me. All right, so let's get to the good stuff. 1989 was objectively an amazing year for movies. Let me know, first and foremost, if what I'm about to say here rings any kind of bells for anyone else, okay? In 1989, there was an Indiana Jones movie, Michael Keaton played Batman, and a movie called Little Mermaid was released. Sometimes, you guys, I feel like this whole thing is a Kroger brand version of The Matrix. But also, check out this lightning round lineup right here. Are you ready? Okay. Dead Poet Society, oh, Captain, my captain. Lethal Weapon 2, Leo gets. Back to the Future 2, Great Scott. When Harry Met Sally, I'm not going to fake an orgasm. We'll leave that for the Patreon. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, French class. Say Anything, Dobbler. Uncle Buck, a fucking classic, Major League, one of the most terrifying movies of all time, Pet Cemetery, and easily the gayest buddy cop movie that has ever existed, Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell as two police officers that 1,000% wanted to fuck each other, were all released in 1989. Give me a big bowl of special snacks, something to drink, and I will watch every single one of those shits back to back until my ass somehow gets even flatter. Now, in the category of things that have not aged well, the two biggest TV shows of 1989 were The Cosby Show and Roseanne. You know what sucks? I fucking love both of those shows. God damn it. Why do people have to be the worst? Also, and this is pure fun right here. Courtney Love, Tim Burton, 
Robin Williams, George Clooney, Michael Jordan, James Woods, Larry King, and Hugh Hefner all got married in 1989. Guess how many of those marriages lasted? Of course, that brings us to the music of 1989 and our song of the week. 89 was kind of a weird year and a bland year for music. It was the tail end of the whole 80s new wave thing, the tail end of hair metal when it was getting kind of boring, but right before grunge showed up and covered everyone in flannel. Now, full transparency, I did know a few songs that were big in 89, but I did pull up a list because I wanted to be as comprehensive as I possibly could. Madonna, who I love, had Like a Prayer and Express Yourself, both in 89, easily two of her all-time best. Guns N' Roses had Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City, both of which are playing on every single classic rock radio station right now, somehow simultaneously. But for Song of the Week, I'm going to take a deeper dive, he said, surprising no one, and do a song that is attached to a very personal and very powerful memory for me. It was a song that I knew was big in 89 before I looked up the list. Obviously, it was a very long time ago, so the specifics of this memory are a little hazy. And I'm also recording this at 2 a.m., so that part is hazy in of itself. I remember skipping school that day and hanging out with my mom. She called in sick for me. We went and got lunch at a place. I think they're still around, but I'm not sure if it's as well known as it used to be. It's called Burger King. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you've ever heard of a place with that name before. They used to be everywhere. God, I'm such a fucking dweeb. But my mom called me out of school. We watched The Price is Right together, like you do. We had lunch and just fucking hung out all afternoon. I don't remember much else of what we did, but I remember it was truly a beautiful day and a beautiful memory for me. She turned on the radio at some point and we sang and danced together to her favorite song at the time, which because it was her favorite song was also my favorite song at the time. And that song is What I Am by Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Now, the song was released in 88, but it was still charting in 89, just in case anyone wants to check my work. And that day with my mom definitely happened in 89 because it was right before the big San Francisco earthquake in October. And I will never forget that. So What I Am by Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians is this week's Song of the Week. And check it out on the Atomic Skull podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. And treat yourself to a one song dance party. It's a groovy little tune, and I still love it. I think you'll love it. Uh, Check it out. Let me know what you think. And that's my story for this week, you guys, and I'm sticking to it. I wanted to do this little standalone piece of business because seeing The Flash got me in a 1989 kind of mood, and I wanted to jump in and see if it was worth the nostalgia trip. The verdict? I don't know. Looking too far back in your own timeline for too long can be dangerous, but 
I did have a little bit of fun taking a trip down Amnesia Lane, and I hope you guys did too. If I have another occasion paired with a specific year, or if you guys have a year that you want me to revisit, let me know, and I'm not above doing this again. I will roast any year you want. There's still plenty of shit to talk about, of course, and you guys can bet your asses that we will get to it in the next episode. I have somewhere between a plethora and a cornucopia of gold star answers to get to and you know we got to talk a little bit about that whole titanic submarine situation because there is a lot to unpack and of course all the dildo chronicles food metaphors and self-loathing you've come to expect from my bullshit thanks you guys so much for hanging out with me for a few minutes it is always appreciated and cherished Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Atomic Skull Podcast. Give me five stars wherever you're listening to me talk. Tell your nerd friends who appreciate a good dick joke to listen to my shit show. And I'll see you guys at the next one. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing? 